where they had Christmas lunch with Dan's parents. Today they're coming back to his grandparents where they'll have Christmas lunch with her. And tonight or tomorrow they'll return home. My son Shane and uh, his wife Gretel and the two grandchildren will arrive tomorrow morning where we'll pick them up at the airport and we'll all have Christmas lunch again tomorrow. <laughs> Christmas is a wonderful time, isn't it? So we haven't got to open our presents yet. So I'm still excited. <laughs> very special welcome to you if you are here for the very first time. If you haven't been here before, we're glad that you're with us. As you can probably guess, as Pastor David said, many of our Farrak away travel or on holidays or joining families for their Christmas celebrations and so on. But a special welcome this morning to our brother and sister, Gary and Fran Bates, who have come to join us all the way from Atlanta, Georgia, just for today's service. Well, not quite. Welcome. <clears throat> Gary and Fran, of course, set up the uh, CMI Ministries in the United States and they returned for the marriage of their daughter, Claire and Trent, whom I haven't seen since they got married. Have you heard from them? Oh, good. Which was over, what, a month ago now. So, gone. Trust they're having a great time. Uh, this morning's theme, as David said, is going to focus upon the idea, the concept of really the biblical injunction for us to be a people who are thankful. What does the Bible teach about that? And in my research, uh, in looking into this, I realised I could do a whole series on this. There's so much material. And so this morning we'll wait and see what, out of all of that vast material, what sort of bubbles down together. And there are a couple of passages that I want to read. I want to begin by reading um, in a moment after I pray Luke 17. Famous story of Jesus healing 10 people with leprosy. And our theme is Thanksgiving. Would you pray with me? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we of all people living in this terrific country have reasons to be thankful. And this morning, Lord, we do exactly that. And we ask yet again that we are thankful for your word, for your spirit and for our saviour. We ask this morning that you might take your word, that the spirit of God might reveal more to us about our saviour and what he requires and what he desires of us for us as well as from us. So speak to us, shape our thinking and help us to become passionate followers of Jesus. We ask it in his name and for his sake. And everyone said, Amen. Luke 17, famous story that many of you will know. Um, verse 11 and following. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus travelled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at the distance, they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have, mid have pity on us, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he had been healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Uh, where are the other nine? Has not one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise, go, your faith has made you well. Seems Jesus notices when we don't give thanks. It seems that it's one of those things that he thought was an appropriate response. Is there only one who has returned to thank, to give praise to God and to thank him? Well, we're going to look at that this morning. 
this whole theme and we'll come back to that passage. One of the books that I have at home, I don't know if you can still buy it, but mine's called the NIV Topical Analysis of the Bible. It's a huge volume written by Walter Elwell. If you can buy it, it's worth having. What he's done is gone simply through, using the NIV as a base text, he's gone through and he's put them all in topics or categories. He tended to follow the systematic theology type headings. And so he has one, they're all huge sections, and then he just gathers together all the verses wherever these themes or words or topics uh, are relevant and he groups them together logically. For instance, uh, under the one that talks about our responsibilities towards God, he has a list of about eight different things. We are, God wants us to know him, to have faith in him, to love him, obey him, communicate with him, pursue him, enjoy him, and he has all of those topics developed. The third one he has, our responsibility towards God, is on magnifying him. We have a responsibility as God's people to magnify him. And under that heading, uh, to thank him, to praise him, to worship him, to glorify him, to revere him, to honour him. And so thanking God is just one of these subcategories of this huge topic of magnifying God. And so just focusing on the, upon that one aspect under thanking God, and there are hundreds of verses, he subcategorizes it as A, thanksgiving, glorifies God and honors him. And he gives you the verses that indicate that. Secondly, thanksgiving is not only the practice of believers in the Lord Jesus, but it's also required of them, God's people. I'll read you some verses in a moment. Colossians 3.15, we're commanded, be thankful. Um, and then he says, but thanksgiving is meaningless when it's offered hypocritically. He gives several different verses, but he quotes Luke 18, 9. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, one was a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, not like that tax collector over there. Thanksgiving when offered hypocritically is meaningless to God. And it's quite possible that we can fall into that category sometimes where we offer thanksgiving, you know, routinely. I'm a parent, many of you are parents, I'm a grandparent. One of the things that irritates me when children, be they my own or my own grandchildren, I can do something about that, but even when others, when you give them something, and they just take it. And they don't say, thanks, thank you. It doesn't kill you, does it? That's why it irritates me. So I drummed into my kids, I taught them some etiquette. Now, whenever anybody gave you anything, what automatic response was to pop out was thank you. Now that's appropriate, but it also means that sometimes the thanks is not necessarily sincere, heartfelt or anything else, it's just etiquette, you just thanks. Can happen, can't it? But even that's at a much higher level um, of societal acceptance than simply being rude and not saying thank you. So this morning we're not talking about us just simply going through the routine and being spirit and offering spiritual etiquette, you know, thank you God, when we're not meaning it. Not like the Pharisee praying in the temple. We're talking about genuine, sincere thanksgiving offered to God. Sometimes you will feel it. What do you do when you don't? 
Well, it's still our duty to be thankful. We may not feel thankful, but it is still required of us to be thankful and to express it genuinely. It may not be felt, but it is correct. It is appropriate. And of course, gratitude, thankfulness, is not simply something that we say. It is that. But it's also something that we show. It is both more often than not felt as well as spoken. It's lived out. It's demonstrated. We are to live our thankfulness. We realize that God did this. Now, God allowed this. God enabled this. God has provided this. Or God wanted this to happen. It's that correct worldview, that correct thinking about there is a God who is in control and he is the one who is orchestrating the circumstances of our life so that what goes on outside of us is in his domain. And what goes on inside of us is in our domain, so to speak. And that we are responsible to develop and to foster the appropriate responses to him. Just like Jesus said, so the Bible teaches, God hates ingratitude. Romans chapter 1 verse 21. Uh, people know that God is real. There's plenty of proof for it in creation. The creator put it there. Uh, but people are without excuse. And Romans chapter 1 even talks about, not only don't they acknowledge God, neither do they give him thanks. It's typical of a person who is far from God, typical of the unbeliever or the rebel against God to not acknowledge him and therefore they think it's silly and inappropriate to be offering thanks to him. One in 2 Timothy chapter 3, it's going to be the mark of the last days, unthankfulness. Not just people being disobedient to parents, not just people being pleasure-seeking and selfish and doing all other sorts of things, but one of the characteristics is going to be unthankful. If we understand ourselves and how frail we really are, then this will help motivate us and cause us to be a people who are thankful. Thanks flows out of a relationship and flows out of our awareness of who God is, of what he has done, of what he is like and what we are like. Every now and again, that grabs me. How frail we are. The older I get, the more this seems to be a regular cycle pattern. You become aware of your bodily weaknesses. Things that you could once do quite easily and effortlessly now become a serious effort. And sometimes... It hurts. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you do. As we understand ourselves, then that can't but help develop in us because if we are followers of the Lord Jesus, then it can only develop in us gratitude for all that he is doing for us. Every breath we take from him. We are so frail, so flawed. We're surrounded by very powerful spiritual forces that oppose us. The more aware you are to that, the more you'll be consciously dependent upon him. We need food, we need water. We have to sleep every day. Some of us have to sleep a couple of times a day. <laughs> yeah, let's just do a quick vote. Who needs more than one sleep? 
Look at the hands. In fact, that's one of the gifts of Christmas, isn't it? Christmas afternoon, big lunch, then a nap. We're frail. We can't survive without it. We are so weak and vulnerable. And that just means how dependent we really are upon our Creator, upon our Lord, and on His daily common grace. And how wonderful and kind and good He is. Do you like food? Of course you do. You even have favourite foods, don't you? And there are some foods you don't like. Well, who gave you your taste buds? God. Why? For your enjoyment. For your enjoyment. And for you to enjoy it and for you to be grateful. Thank you, Lord. Chocolate is one of the most wonderful things. Amen. Amen. And so is ice cream and vegetables and on and on and on and on and on. For what can we be thankful? It flows out of our relationship with him, flows out of our relationship and our awareness of what he is like. Here is a list. <clears throat> what could we thank God for? It's quite easy, isn't it, to sit down and just write out a list. That's what I did. This is what popped out. We can thank God for our salvation, both ours but also for others. The New Testament, certainly Paul is doing that often. People coming to faith, conversions, where um, people are being justified, where people are growing and maturing in, their, in Christ, where we experience grace and forgiveness and mercy. We can give thanks for all of these things, and we often do. We can thank God for our spiritual gifts. We can and should thank God for our local church. Now, I know that because we're flawed creatures, there are times when we get upset and we get out of sorts and we think hey, I'm going to go to another church and some people do and provided they go to another church then that's okay it's the ones that sick of it I'm not going anywhere I'm not going to any church they're the ones that I worry about but we can be thankful to God for our local church not perfect but there are many good things about it and one of the highlights of this year obviously was carols as we had reminded this morning wasn't that video superb what a great reminder of what God did through us. We should give thanks for our pastors and our spiritual leaders and our spiritually significant others who are in our life, whether they're life group leaders or just close friends and mates who we rely on and who teach us and shape us and give us good counsel. You can give thanks to God for our jobs, the fact that you have an income, work colleagues, Give thanks to God for your health. You wait till you lose it, then you'll appreciate it. Give thanks to God for the Bible. The fact that we have the Bible in English. For those who write commentaries and books about the Scripture so that we can much better understand it, we should give thanks to God for Bible scholars. Give thanks to God for all of the kind providences that go on around us. You've got a car? Give thanks to God. You've got a house? Be grateful. Food, clothes, iPads, iPhones slight plug TV do you watch TV? of course you do do you like TV? not a lot of it but it's nonetheless provided for our entertainment and relief God has enabled that or take it up a notch cinema or books or sport all of these things that are part of our life the creator has allowed has provided 
Why? Because he wants us to enjoy life. We should give thanks to God if you're married for your spouse, for your children, for your parents, for your friends, as I already said, for your work colleagues. Give thanks to God because there's a God who hears and answers prayer. Give thanks to God for our future, heaven. Give thanks to God for the ability, the gifts he's given us and the opportunity for us to serve him and then he's going to reward us for it. Lots of things to give thanks to God for. Somebody, probably Elwell, summarized it this way. We should group these things into three areas. We should give thanks to God for what's been done in the past. Look back and be thankful. It's an opportunity to do it at the end of the year, isn't it? Look back over this year. What things happened this year and to say deliberately, write out a list and then pray that list to God as a thanksgiving to him. What's been done? in the past what is he presently doing in your life strengthening you teaching you equipping you encouraging you stretching you what's he doing in your life and around you be thankful and for what he's going to do in the future for what will be done how he's going to grow you how he's going to take you to be with him thanksgiving grows as we express it to him we are a people who are blessed now, it's very easy to do that when things are going well. What happens when things aren't going well? And there are times like that. And sometimes there are seasons like that where life is a battle, where day after day is stressful, it's difficult, where the x-rays or the doctor's report is not positive but scary. What do you do in those circumstances? Exactly what the Bible says. Lord, you're in control. You're sovereign. You're the one who allows or enables, or actually directly does, these circumstances and these situations that I now find myself in. My eyes are looking to you, not to the situation. And I'm trusting you. Remember the disciples in the boat with Jesus when there was a storm and he was asleep at the back? Remember what they did? They panicked, they yelled, they woke him up. And what did they accuse him of? Don't you care? That's where we go. We have two choices. God's not in control. He's not all-powerful. He's not sovereign in this situation. And we worry, we panic. Or we think God doesn't care. Either he doesn't have the ability to deal with it, or he doesn't have an attitude of care and love towards us. But from the believers, the mindset is, no, Lord, you are in control. I don't like it. I don't understand it. But you're in control, and so I'm trusting you. You promise that you're going to work all things out, both for your will and purposes, but also for my good. Eventually, somehow, good will come out of this. He may deliver me from it. He may not. Acts chapter 12, Pastor David prayed that just as God delivered Peter from jail, he can do that. But he didn't deliver James. James died. He's sovereign God. He's working his purposes out. Secondly, he's not only sovereign, he's a God who definitely is caring, loving towards us. He does not inflict us with pain because he enjoys it. It has a purpose. He allows it to happen. 
Just like for Job, though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. That's the attitude that we are to have because God is a sovereign God who is at work in our world, who is working things out. And therefore, in the midst of when it's tough, to adopt that mindset, Lord, you're in control. I've told this story on numerous occasions, even while I'm here at Sunnybank. Rhonda and I, and you've had this, many of you have had this experience as well. We had a third child. It was a little girl. Her name was Lauren. And she didn't survive very long after birth, a matter of hours. And she was born with a whole lot of medical complications. Before that, before her birthday, before she was born, I was wrestling with God. I was pastor of a church at San Susie in Sydney, just out of theological college, so I'm a brand new young pastor, and this devastating experience descends upon us. And I was angry and disappointed with God. I was pretty cranky, and therefore I was sinful. I did and said what I should not have, and I only share it with you because I'm just being um, full disclosure, I guess, but it was wrong. I was so angry with God. We lived on Botany Bay. Around the back of the bay, there was a lake, another bay. And I walked down there one night. I was just depressed and I was angry and I was fed up. <clears throat> I mean, how could God do this to me? I was a pastor, after all. Should look after us, shouldn't he? And so I told him. I was so angry with him. And I said some words. Um, the words are actually a bit of a self-pity party. Uh, Everybody's paying attention to Rhonda. Everybody's looking after her and taking her out for meals and nobody's talking to me. Nobody cares about me. What a great husband I am, you know. So I said to God, I'm sick of this. As far as I'm concerned, you can go jump in the lake. Turned around and went home. Next day, I got a phone call. In our church, there was a lady. Her name was Yvonne. She was married to a person who was not a Christian at that point since then he's become a follower of Jesus but at that point he was not a believer he rang me the next morning about 11 o'clock said Daryl it seems to me that people are paying attention to Rhonda and they're taking her out for lunch and I don't think anybody is either talking to you or taking you out for lunch the very words that I had said to God the night before this non-Christian repeats to me what do you think I heard God saying I heard you I'm present in this. And I have said this before, and it's still true for me, us. The passage of Scripture that brought me out of this anger and depression and confusion was Exodus chapter 4, verse 12, where God says to Moses, Who is it who makes a person blind? Who is it that causes a baby to be born with disabilities? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, I would never quote that to any other parent going through what we went through. I wouldn't quote it. But that scripture, to me, delivered me because it reminded me, you're sovereign. You're in control. You're enabling this. You're allowing this. For whatever reason, you have a reason and you have allowed it. And I trust you. I felt immediate relief, release, and from then a sense of, well, God is in this. I don't like it. I don't understand it. 
And I still don't fully understand the purposes of it. I have some little glimpses here and there, but it still doesn't make full sense to me, except both Rhonda and I, and I know some of you are in exactly the same boat. We have one child at home in heaven already, and we look forward to that day of seeing her and being reconciled. There will be a reunion. What do you do when it's difficult to be thankful? Remind yourself that he is in control, that he is sovereign. Remind yourself that he's caring and trust him. Because we're not always up. The wind is not always at our back. Things don't always go well. But it is required of us. Listen to God's word. Let me read to you from, where am I going to go, Willie? Ephesians chapter 5. I just want to read some scriptures to you and read them in a paragraph. If you've got a Bible, I'll give you time to find it. If you've got an electronic device, you can turn to it. Some of them will appear on the screen. This is Ephesians 5, verse 15, all the way down to 20. This is what God says to us through the Apostle Paul. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. God is in control, God is caring making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. What does God want me to do? Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Be under His control. Speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. For everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be careful how you live. Have this mindset. God is sovereign and caring. He's in control. Take every opportunity as it comes to you. Live under the control of the Spirit. Encourage one another spiritually. Sing in your hearts to the Lord, but always be thankful for everything. That's the requirement. That's amplified for us in the very next book. Well, let me just show you this. Back in chapter 1, the everything in chapter 5, verse 20, the word for everything, is the same word back in chapter 1, verse 11. In him we are chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purposes of his will. The everything which is under his control as he works out his purposes is the everything that we are to be giving thanks for. Now, to state the obvious, obviously, we are not going to be thankful to God for the bad things that happen. We are going to be thankful to God that he is going to be working in the bad things that are happening. Does that make sense? We don't thank God for natural disasters. Thanks, Lord, for the fires that destroyed 103 homes in Victoria. No, that's not it. Thank you, Lord, that though that disaster has happened... You still care and you're still going to work in the lives of those people. You're still going to send assistance and aid. Like Pastor David prayed, raise up your church, work through your people into that situation. Thankful to God regardless of this situation. Over to Philippians, very famous. Some of you will have this as a memory verse, I'm sure. It's the Lord has put this in these New Testament letters, one after the other, so that we get it repeated to us again and again and again Philippians chapter 4 verse 4 and following rejoice in the Lord always 
which means, Lord, you've got to be in control. If I'm going to rejoice in you always, I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord's near, not just near in terms of his coming, but he's near, he's present, he's close. Don't be anxious about anything, anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Don't be anxious. Don't worry. A lot easier said than done, isn't it? It's God's will for us not to be a people who are worrying or who are anxious. If we are, it's because we're taking our eyes, our sight off him. He's sovereign. He's in control. How am I going to pay these bills? How is this going to happen? Well, Lord, you know. I'm trusting you to work it out. With thanksgiving to pray. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell amongst you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with thankfulness, gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Thankfulness. Or finally, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. This is clearly, passage will teach us, God's will for us. This is uh, verse 16 and 218. Rejoice always. The only way you can rejoice always, as I said before, is because you're trusting the sovereign God who is in the midst of all that's going on. Pray continually, constantly, regularly. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. God's will is for us to rejoice always, to pray continually, and to give thanks in all circumstances. That's God's will for us, to be thankful. He looks for it. He notices it when we are not thankful, like Jesus did with the lepers. There was a grandmother, her name was Helen Aberge, A-B-E-R-G, Aberge. She had children, then she had grandchildren, and every year she was very generous at Christmas time, and she would send very generous gifts, often, you know, checks to the grandkids, and they never said thank you. One year, she was telling her friend, she sent each of them a cheque for $100. And surprise, surprise, the very next day, they all came round and they all said thank you. Really? What accounts for that? She said, well, that's easy. This year, I forgot to sign the cheques. <laughs> if that helps any of you in dealing with your grandchildren... Matthew Henry, the world-famous world commentator, you know, three, 350 years ago, in his diary, journal, he wrote these words. He had an experience once on a stagecoach heading home where he was robbed by a highwayman. When he got home, he wrote in his journal, he wrote these words, let me be thankful. Four reasons. Number one, I was never robbed before. That's well, not a bad thing to be thankful for. Number two, although he took my wallet, he didn't take my life. Thanks. Although he took everything, all my money, he took it all, 
reality, it wasn't that much. And number four, I want to be thankful because it was I who was robbed and not I who robbed. It's insightful, isn't it? Reflecting upon life circumstances and what happens to us and even finding a reason to be thankful to the God who made us and the God who loves us. We are a people whom God desires and we are a people who are required to be thankful. So let me encourage you today at some point, write out your list. What are you thankful for? Ask God to open your eyes to see his hand in the situations you find yourself in. Let me encourage you, set aside time a day. Matthew Henry used to do it morning and at night. David in the Psalms does it morning, noon and night. Matthew Henry in the morning and night. I'm saying to you, pick a time a day. End of the day is a great time where you rehearse that list of thankfulness to God for that day and give thanks intentionally, deliberately, whether you feel like it or not, but sincerely, not pretending. Uh, Lord, I don't feel this, but it's right for me to be thankful and grateful. And so I'm expressing. And what you will find that as you go through that exercise, you'll actually find your feelings will line up your feelings will kick in. Ask God to increase your self-awareness of how vulnerable and frail you are and how much he sustains you every day. Let us be a thankful people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, like I just said, could you open our eyes to see, to see you at work in our life circumstances, in our relationships, and in fact, Lord, even in us. And help us to give you thanks. Help us to cooperate with whatever you're doing. And then, Lord, could you also help us to establish the discipline of doing this regularly, on a daily basis. We've read in your word that you require us not only to rejoice, not only to be prayerful, but to be thankful. Help us to set aside time in the midst of all that goes on to be obedient and to give you thanks for you are worthy. You are loving and kind and good and you are sovereign. When we don't understand, when we don't feel glad, nonetheless, Lord, help us to trust you and to trust your good intentions. We pray these things in and through the name of our wonderful Saviour who loved us gave himself for us, Jesus. Amen.